So stalking the store, what should you expect when you come into church? Programs, activities, music, a message. But it's beyond that. It's the substance of that which brings us together. That we are the then offer to others through Christ. And so we've looked at three. Do you remember what they are? Do you remember what they are? They're good. Love, truth, and power. It's on the exam next week because we'll finish up the series next week. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's probably enough for somebody in here this morning you could leave right now because you've been living maybe in a state of fear, a state of uncertainty, and you're apprehensive. And the scriptures teach us that in God we have received a power, and that is a power through his spirit that dwells in us. And it's a power that uh, comes from God, it's a love that comes from God, and it's a sound mind, a disciplined mind, a truth that comes from God. And so we are going to look at the third part today, and that is in the subject matter of power. Philippians 3.10. How many of you memorized it? Everybody? Anybody? I want to know Christ, yes, to know him and the power of his resurrection. So the first Sunday of this year, Greg England let off and, and he shared about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And part of us were, at least I was, going, wow, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're talking about that sort of like a week and a half, two weeks after Christmas. Uh, and, and Easter's yet to come. But the reality is the resurrection of Jesus is what brings us here today. None of us would be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. There would be no store to dispense anything if Jesus Christ remained in the grave. And the New Testament church exploded. I mean, that's where church started, right? There was no church before Jesus Christ and before his resurrection. The church called the assembly, the called out ones who were followers of Jesus, it started on the heels of Jesus after he was resurrected from the dead and he ascended into the heavens. He sent his Holy Spirit and then the movement began. So for 2,000 years, this church movement has happened, but it's happened only because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And so those people in that day were witnesses, many of them eyewitnesses. I saw him. I mean, he was crucified, and he was walking the streets the next day. I mean, then three days later. So this eyewitness, they could not stop. And it wasn't just in Jerusalem. It wasn't just in Israel. It spread to the whole Mediterranean area, uh, especially as Paul began to do his missionary journeys. And the church moved forward because of the witness of the resurrection. So Paul writes these words, and he says, I want to know Christ. I don't want to be a churchgoer sitting in a building, in a room, and, and, and doing all the mechanical things you're supposed to be doing, which are good. I, I don't want to be a churchgoer. I want to be a Christ follower. And Paul was disappointed because he didn't get to do physically walk with Jesus, though Jesus appeared to him on his road to Damascus when he was out to 
track down some Christians and torment them because he was an original religious elite kind of person. And, and he saw Jesus in that moment. But Paul never got to physically walk with Jesus when he walked here on this earth. But through the spirit, he had this passion. I want to know Christ. So 2000 years later, we have the same opportunity through the Holy Spirit, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in your midst, the word says. And so he had this passion And he had a passion not just to know Christ, but he had a passion to know the power of the resurrection. And the power of the resurrection was an amazing thing. It changed the trajectory of this world's history. How does a dead person come to life? Now, Jesus had raised somebody from the dead like Lazarus, but Jesus raised himself from the dead. Why don't you try that one on? This week. Did you try that one on this week? Well, this power of the resurrection is something that I want us to not only believe in and teach, I want us to experience power in our life to live. This world, and you've been a part of it this week, whether it's in your work environment, your school environment, your domestic world, your recreational life, I don't know. It has a way of just crushing and discouraging us. Expectations, situations, difficult people that we're around sometimes, including ourselves. The world can crush us, but people need life. They need power for living. Do you know that your ability to be in this room today is a result of the power of God. The power of God. You're alive. The Greek word for power is dunamos, which we get a word from called dynamite. But here's the problem. They didn't have dynamite in that day, so they wouldn't have associated it that direction. Dynamite is an explosive. There's power that comes from it. Dunamos, to them was equated directly with the essence of all life, with God. So to say the power of God was sort of redundant, because power really was God. And so we are here today, we are alive, we have a ticker because of the power of God. Any of you have batteries that are beating your heart today. Maybe some of you do. I know there's pacemakers, have little wires, those kinds of things. But you did not walk in here. My little remote up here, I, I checked it right before service, and the three bars were down to no bars. It was dead or on the verge of dying. So I had to go what? Find new batteries to put in my little clicker. Did you have to put batteries in your life this morning when you got out of bed? No. Where's the power that keeps your heart beating, the blood flowing, and the mind thinking? It comes from dunamis, God. And so we are to be a people who stock the store with the power of God. And I think it begins with a deep appreciation for life itself and a respecter of life. But there's six things I just want to briefly highlight this morning as it relates to the power that comes from God for us in our lives, maybe in particular your life that you need to know today, but also for this valley as we seek to serve the purposes of God in this new location. And the first is this, the power for spiritual salvation. 
Do you know that if you do not have Christ in your life, if you are not a Jesus Christ follower, you can be a churchgoer, you can be a religious person, you can be a very ritual person, you can, you can have all the disciplines going on, you can read your Bible front to cover, uh, cover to end every year. You can pray every day. But if Christ is not in your life, you are spiritually flatlined, dead. And it's something that we need to hold as a constant reminder for us as we work with people. Something we need to hold as a constant reminder in our own life if we've not crossed that line of faith to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus comes into our life when we say, I repent of my sins because of your work on the cross that we commemorated around the table, the death and resurrection of Jesus. I invite Christ to lead. Something supernatural, it's called regeneration, happens in that moment. And the power, the dunamis, comes to dwell within. But if that's not happened, we're spiritually flatlined. And sometimes it's important for us to remember this about people that we are praying for, maybe some people that we're a little anxious about. Individuals that maybe were like, I don't know why they think that way. I don't understand why they just did what they did. Well, maybe it could be not just because they're making poor choices or they haven't thought through something. Maybe it's because they're spiritually dead. And so we need to make that distinction because Jesus Christ came so that people could become spiritually alive. That's one of the reasons I like the Awakening Church name. To be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done, because it is the dunamis, the power of God, that brings salvation to everyone. Not just a few, not isolated, particular chosen one, to everyone who believes on him. You ever prayed for a dead person to come to life? I'm, I'm serious. I would have never thought of doing that. I had a pastor friend that had cancer for a number of years. They were part of our church, then they started a new church, and um, he died. And I remember being in the hospital room with him and his wife and another denominational leader, another family member or two, and they asked all the nurses to leave after the machines flatlined. I didn't know what we were doing. But they desired in that moment because they wanted to have full belief that God could heal their husband, their father, the pastor, by bringing him back to life. And so we prayed. Now in that moment, do you think I had prayers full of faith? No, I had a lot of prayers that were like, God, get me out of here. Oh my goodness, what are the nurses thinking? God did not raise dawn from the dead. He has other grander purposes for us and the passing from this life to the next. I doubt if too many people would want to come back to this one. They'd rather have the future. But I had to admire his wife and his family and some of the parishioners because they actually believed God could 
take someone who was physically flatlined and bring them back to death because of the power of the resurrection. Do you have somebody you're praying for that is so spiritually dead and flatlined that you quit praying? And it's almost awkward for you to have hope anymore. Don't do it. It's what the adversary wants you to do. Let us pray with fervency for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forward, to bring salvation, to take spiritually dead people and bring them to life. There is no greater miracle. Many of you could stand up here and give testimony this morning of that miracle, the dunamis of God in your life. You were headed this direction. And it was even a successful direction, but there was an emptiness in your heart. And God met you. You repented. You turned to Him. You brought, allowed Him to bring His salvation to you. You became spiritually alive in Christ. The power of salvation needs to be constantly offered through the body of the awakening church. The second is power for righteous living. That dunamis comes not only just to make you who were dead spiritually alive, it comes to enable you to live the righteous life, the good life, as Scripture refers to it. In 1 Peter 1.3, it says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. You cannot live the good life, the godly life, by human effort. It comes by yielding to the dunamis, God's power himself, in you every day. Now, how is this? Well, Scripture teaches us that there's this dogfight going on between the sinful nature and the spirit that's now come within us. And simply put, the one that wins is the one that you feed. And so you say simply, every day at every crossroads, maybe you need to bite your lip here, maybe you need to step out of your way and give comfort and encouragement here to someone in need. Whatever it is that you know you need to be doing, you yield in that moment, not to the flesh, the sinful nature, but you yield in that moment to the power of the dunamis, the spirit that dwells within you. And he is able to bring godly living. A couple of verses just right after this, it explains some of the power for godly living. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. Now that, my friends, is a pretty good list, don't you think? Do you want some of that? Do you want us to be able to offer that in the store? It comes through Christ dwelling within us and his power. So there's power for salvation. There's power for righteous living. The third I want to mention is power for bold witness. Bold witness. Now, this is the one we all need in light of grand opening. Because some of you have somebody on your invite five list. And it's not that you're going to give some big bold witness for Jesus. But you know that the Spirit's prompting you just to make the ask. I mean, free in and out. Come on. Giving you a tool there. And so it's like, okay, here's the ask. It's standing before you. And you don't do it. That's understandable. I've backed away. I've shied away from witness sometimes. So I know I need to be bold. It's in that moment that you need to say, I need the 
power of the Holy Spirit to help me, whether it's frame a word or two or to make a suggestion, to, to step into the conversation, to turn the conversation. Maybe they're telling you about their life another time all over again. And you're saying to yourself, nothing ever changes for this person. I feel for them. I wish I could help them. And in that moment, the Spirit says, well, why don't you take an action and just invite them to join you in a church service? Now, here's my problem with that in part. I don't want to invite people to a church. I want to invite people to the kingdom of God in a relationship with Jesus. But this store, this church, is uh, here to serve the purposes of God and his Holy Spirit using you to bring people to Jesus. And so he's going to give you power for bold witness. And it may not be invited. It may be to be able to speak uh, a testimony of your faith or what God's doing, to exhort them with some tough love, whatever it is. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. That's why Jesus told them to wait after he ascended to the heavens until the Holy Spirit came. And in Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive, what? Dunamis, power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's not a place on that list that the power is not going to go when you step into it. Power for bold witness. The next is this. Power for inner healing. And I want to park here for just a second and, and, and try to unpack some terminology. There is woundedness and brokenness in all of our lives. And it's there for different reasons. A lot of times it's because things have happened to us, we've gone through trauma, or maybe we've made some poor decisions in our life. And we will have people that walk into uh, our environment, our building, but also in our lives, and there is woundedness and brokenness within them that they just need to be made whole. They don't need to be placated with nice platitudes from Jesus' people. They really need healing from the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're one of those people this morning. I want you to know that there in Christ is power for inner healing. And that inner healing is going to come through the love of Jesus. Ephesians 3.16 I pray that out of his glorious riches he may give you strength with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have what? Power. Dunamos. Together with all of God's people. Power for what? Power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
just steward this power. But many times we lead such busy lives that we're not able to bask in that love and to find the inner healing and the encouragement that God wants to bring in our life. Sometimes he needs to bring people into our life to lead us down certain paths of understanding. Sometimes there are certain things we need to lay down to allow him to flood our hearts with his love. But the Apostle Paul wanted him to know that the power of the inner healing comes from knowing how wide and deep and broad and incredible the love of God is. This was my view this whole last week. I was blessed to be able uh, to be gifted a week away to do writing for a project in my doctorate program, a 150-page project that many of you know I've been working on for a long time. My wife especially knows it, but the deadline is February 15th, two days before grand opening. And so... I asked my wife to have time away. She blessed me with it. I was blessed with a Marriott Villa in Desert Springs. And I was able to finish writing the content of that paper, though I have stuff to work in getting it all tweaked this week, which was great. But you know what was better than being able to finish this paper? Was for some reason... I got myself re-centered on the love of God at a very important time for us as a people and me and my life and my family. And there was inner, I don't know if I want to say healing, but wholeness and strength and power that came to me this week. God wants to do the same for you. You may not need a view like this, of the mountains and palm trees and water and a golf course. But you do need a safe place and some still time, maybe with some special friends, to reconnect with the love of God. And it is my prayer that we as a church would continue on that path of wholeness, every one of us, and that we would find the power in the love of Jesus. And then we can better offer it because it flows out of our life to others. As we talked about the first week, God has poured out his love into our lives through the Holy Spirit he has given us. It's there for you this morning. If you will stop, pull some time away, focus on his love. That Ephesians 1 chapter Ephesians 3 chapter, those are really great places to read. The paper I was writing, some of you are familiar with, is on spiritual warfare and deliverance ministry in the local church. A year and a half ago, we spoke on this. That's when I sort of began this project. And um, I want you to know that this week, as I, I finished up writing that and reflecting on even where we were a year ago, it renewed my efforts all over again to be real about the unseen spiritual realm because we do have an enemy and it's not who you think. The enemy 
as the adversary and his workers. But we have been given power over them, and we as a church will fight spiritual warfare on our knees and in counseling and in praying over people, whatever it may be, so that the strongholds that come, and they come to us all, can be broken through the finished work of the cross. It says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, For though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And saying I just spent a week studying and rethinking and writing on all this, it's best that I just move on to the last point because we could get hung up here for a long time. The sixth is this, power for miraculous works. I put this here because I believe the evangelical church sometimes, in some places, in some seasons, has become more about information than transformation. And we need to be open to the miraculous dunamis power of God to work miracles in our lives. The first miracle is life itself. A second miracle is to be spiritually flatlined and come to life, right? A miracle of bold witness, a miracle, yes, of of being able to have inner healing and to be able to fight spiritual warfare. But in this, I'm saying all-inclusive here, friends. He sent his disciples down. It's one of those passages I had to dig back into this week. As rookie novices, people he pulled off the shoreline of fishing and within a few days told them, you go proclaim the kingdom of God, heal the sick and cast out demons. If Jesus had done that to you, along your work path this week, what would have you told him? Duh, okay, but is there a school or class I can go to for that? Untrained. Because the power of God doesn't operate through people with knowledge. Knowledge is important and valuable. Jesus takes his power and works through people who are obedient. Jesus cast out demons. Yes, he was the son of God, and you may say, how did he do that? But he cast out demons, not so much because he was God himself, but because he was obedient to his father to forward the kingdom. It was his obedience that was powerfully effective in bringing healing and transformation and miracles to people's lives. And so every one of us, every one of us in here can be obedient people. You don't have to have courses. You don't have to come from some, you know, uh, Pentecostal background. You don't, don't have to be able to, to know everything there is about that person's life. And if they checked out all the other ways to be able to be made physically whole, you can pray for people by being obedient. I got a call a couple of weeks ago from someone who actually used to part, be a part of this church and their kids. And they were in a situation, they'd moved away, where their uh, one child had come into some difficult times in his personal life and wasn't even able to go to school and had some residency programs that he stepped into. And I was given the call because as pastor, can you help? I don't know, maybe we could come visit you or whatever, but I know you fight with spiritual warfare, but my child is seeing shadow people and hearing voices and is not able to sleep and other trauma happening in their life. And I said, well, what, what have we done for him? 
well, you know, went around the circle. They've gone to this doctor and some of the medications here and there. And I'm not saying those things. I mean, they're all valuable. They're holistic. People understand that. But he still could not find freedom from this. And I'm thinking, oh, this is a tough situation. I think you need to come see me. Let's, you know, let's pray here in person. But that wasn't a choice. The choice was to be able to pray on FaceTime. And we prayed that the power of Jesus Christ through the resurrection would free this child from hearing voices, from seeing shadow people, would be able to sleep, would be able to study, and return back to his normal life. So I pray in obedience. I pray in faith for a miracle to happen over a FaceTime call. I get a call two days later, or I forget, some correspondence two days later, saying, thank you. It's been totally different since we prayed together on that phone. No, well, that was a nice story, Carrie. No, that was the dunamis of God working a miraculous work in a 13-year-old's life for them to be able to head back into the life God's called them to. I want us to be a people that are obedient to pray for the power of God to work miraculous miracles in people. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Joe, would you come? These six areas of power could each be taken on themselves and unpacked more. I believe one of the powers at work is what's happening in this very church this morning as God is seeking to heal and mend lives and set you free. And I pray that you would take the initiative to turn to him. The Apostle Paul, after he said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, he said this, and to participate in his sufferings, which is pretty heavy. It's not just the good things, it's walking the road of Jesus. Becoming like him in his death, laying down his life, he was obedient to the point of death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And then Paul says this, not that I've already obtained this or have already been made perfect or already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. May we be a people of Christ that press on to take hold of what Christ has for us. Perseverance. It's not, oh, I'm hanging on. It's I'm opening up. In obedience for His power to work in my life and through my life. We're going to close with the song. The ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as well as your connect cards. But I want to pray over you this morning if you are a person who's in the need of power in any particular way in your life this morning. Will you pray?